All right, our Sense and Signal podcast fan base. Uh, we are the millions of you tuning in every week to hear me and Joda expound on things like artificial intelligence. Well, we are back with another episode this week, and Joda has been doing a deep dive, some inquiry into how we can, the practical uses of artificial intelligence like ChatGPT. Last week's episode um, focused on more philosophical concerns, and, and that will certainly be in this episode as well. But I know Joda wants to see if we can make some progress in having a conversation around practical applications of artificial intelligence in your work life. So what do you got for us, Joda? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And thanks. That's a good way to think about it. So um, there's been a lot of conversation around artificial intelligence, deep learning, um, really? machine learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I've never heard of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, and, you know, if, as we mentioned last week, a bomb seems to have been dropped right around, especially with ChatGPT. And I don't, I don't think we can go into the deep dives of the distinctions of the type of automation and sort of um, an AI as a form of automation, right? It's the automation of mind to some degree. Um, a part of the mind. Now, let's part, be careful here. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking where it's supposed to be going, right? Yes, yeah. There, it, again, I'm not questioning on how well it does anything right now exactly. I'm just saying that, you know, the conversation, what its intentions are, right? And... Um, you know, it feels hocus pocusy, and and it is for much much of it. You know, it's, it's pretty, magic. It, it has a lot of magic <laughs> going on magic. there. It seems like, um, and let's yeah, and let's not dis dismiss the hard work that a lot of people past you know 50, 60 years have put into them. And this this stuff is built on the shoulders of giants of, and ideas that have been that have been percolating for tens of years, hundreds of years, perhaps even who knows. Um. Anyways, all right. So I'm going down some rabbit holes. So I'm let me dial it back. So so yes. There's all this like waxing and waning on uh, where we take it and what we're supposed to do with this and its implications, which are probably the most important things that I actually care about. However, what about a leader in an organization? What are you supposed to take away from this? And, uh, you know, I don't really have the answers, but you know who did? ChatGPT. <laughs> it it had the answers. Yes, it did. Oh, so you could you did your research through ChatGPT, Joda? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I, Are you I, sure? Are you sure there's not some bias on the old our, our new frenemy, the chatbots uh, perspective? Well, it was because every time I asked it about issues around AI, it would say it would kick off most of those around basically saying. Although AI has great opportunity to improve the life of human oh. beings, here are some concerns. So it definitely has its biases. There's no doubt about it. Now, like I, I did go out and do it some. It doesn't want to toot its own horn, right? It, well, it kind of <laughs> does. But but I did go off and do some other. So you know, it has a marketing aspect built into its responses. Adopt me. Adopt me. Adopt me. I'm not sure if it's marketing. I don't know if it's. Um, it's a bias, though. Right. It's definitely a bias, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which we'll get into in a second. So um, what is it that you as a leader or an organization, how, wh how do you how do you leverage this stuff? Right. And I want to break to I want to make two distinctions, AI and, and they're not they might not be distinctions that most people make, but I want to make the distinction between AI and automation. Um, because they can get okay. they can get conflated. Right. Automation means it, it doesn't necessarily. <laughs> Automation meaning th things that are being done automatically without human intervention that 
that it can produce certain things, right? And that could be uh, seemingly performing intelli- tasks, performing tasks. Then those could be seemingly intelligent tasks, even though it has no sense of self or sense of you. The heuristics built into it are, are sufficient enough to make us think it's intelligent and give us actually actionable information. Then there's artificial intelligence, which is this notion of a thing creating that's actually artificially intelligent, or as Dan and I like to perhaps say, emergent or um, jet, what do we call it? Um, constructed intelligence. Constructed intelligence, right? Based upon rules that we humans have created, but it's supposed to be thinking one way or another. And again, I'm not going to philosophically into a chat. Careful, in there. There. Like, careful. Right. is it really thinking? Right. Not yet. Do we not know what yet. thinking probably, is? Probably not yet, I bet. But it's it's enough for us to think it's thinking and maybe that's all that matters if we think it's thinking or it can fool us well whether, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether it is or isn't right so i feel like there's a good distinction because the magic of chat gpt makes us feel like whoa all of a sudden there's this 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 entity that can replace my job as opposed to whoa there's this tool that can replace my job and 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 maybe the distinction is unnecessary and we're not or really there's know. this co-pilot, or there's this co-pilot that can enhance my job. Or there's a, a co-pilot that can enhance my job, exactly. So, um, yeah, Dan, so to your point, let's let's try this. Let's see if we can kind of reduce some of this down to um, meaningful, semi-actionable information for leaders. What do you think? Well, this is your podcast, man. I'm on for the rides. <laughs> All right, let's give it a shot here. Let's give it a shot. Tell, tell us some of the things you found, or, and I'll, I'll help you out with throwing some suggestions into or somebody consulting your notes as well. Sure. So, so AI or even um, uh, uh, automated systems, right? They're they're good at what we qualify as repetitive tasks or routine tasks that. Um, mm-hmm. And thinking systematically and consistently. And, and so really, that's probably where the strengths of these systems lie, is where you, you want to try to reduce the level of, of, um, of uh, um, noise and error. Right. And that's, 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 that's one of their strengths right now. Again, I'm talking about truth on the ground right now. Um, it could change in the future. Um, where you humans, perhaps, their strengths are... Well, one of our strengths is that we make mistakes, and from mistakes, new things occur, right? So, oh, yeah, like uh, the Elon Musk uh, space—it's not space, uh, SpaceX—the explosion of the rocket the other day—that was a big mistake, and got different uh, perspectives on that. The mainstream media is saying it was a disaster, but the company itself is saying, "No, this was a good mistake because we got data from it that we're going to use to improve in the future." That's right. That's right. And it, and and those distinctions kind of conform to what I think is called Moravec's paradox, uh, which suggests that what is easy for humans is difficult for AI, and what is difficult for AI, or what is easy for AI is difficult for humans. I, again, philosophical. I don't know if that's totally true. Historically, kinda. Um, and again, Dan and I will probably. Other well, I episodes. think there's a good example of that, right? I mean, What's so that? well complex data sets i mean our our minds are the ways our the way our mind works it's hard to keep track of multiple variables to make sense of complex data whereas that is something ai can do very easily ai by contrast is not a biological creature we have this we are embodied creatures unlike ai so we can make gut decisions we are able to process information maybe in a way that ai can't to see signals in the environment that maybe ai can't detect and make what are so-called 
gut decisions. And sometimes those gut decisions can be more accurate than data-driven decisions in some, in some contexts. Well, well, let's 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 lean on yeah, let's lean on a hypothesis. I mean, as of now, that I would agree with that as as a running working um, theory. You know, who knows where the change is? But let's 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 double down on that as as a reality for now. Um, okay. One of the key things, though, that an opportunity well, it's an opportunity, it's probably a need um, for you leaders as we move forward is that, and for the workforce is that it's going to be probably increasingly needing to be adaptable. Right, things are moving so fast, and AI is not is 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 contributing to this speed of change now, and it's only likely going to get faster um, because of the emergence from this technology and the re, uh, recursiveness of it, and so it will probably feed into a faster and faster changes. And so, at the same time, it could just plateau. We're still in a period where we don't know, so there are those who would take the Kurzweil perspective like we talked about in our last episode where it will be exponential and we'll hit that singularity. There are others who are uh, encouraging a more cautious view of that, less extreme view, and and will point out like, well, you could have a period of exponential um, growth and then it might hit a point where you realize the limitations of the technology and it begins to plateau uh, earlier than expected. Right. Yeah. And, but if, if true, and, and if, if, if it's the other direction where things are speeding up, so to speak, then companies will probably tend to value workers that are adaptable, um, entrepreneurial in spirit, um, open to retraining because they're going to have to be. So just keep that in mind as, as you enter the labor force and as, as, as the labor force starts to change. Hold on right there. Yeah. The labor force starts to change. Cause I think that is an important part of this discussion, Joda. Sure. You know, uh, headlines recently have been talking about, at least in Seattle, which is where I live, uh, lots of school closures being talked about because of a, a declining, uh, student population and that there's multiple reasons for that but one of them uh, is a declining birth rate in this country and we've had uh, for the last six years steadily declining birth rates part of that's the pandemic but one can argue it's been a it's part of a larger trend too um, affordability the cost of living the cost of having a child big impacts and the projection is for birth rates that continue to decline i think well into uh, 2040 2050 and that's across all ethnic groups all racial and ethnic groups it's not just you know one group that this is happening to and so that means a smaller workforce going into the future right. um and so that's something we're going to have to contend with an ai might be a solution to contending with that. And I'm, I'm going to give, we're already seeing some impacts on that in, in our, the workforce today. People are talking about a labor shortage. Well, part of it is tied to the birth rate. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could, let's yeah, for sure. Um, let's dive deeper in that a little bit later, but, I, but yeah, I, I've got some thoughts on that. And I do agree that AI, if there, if, if there is an actual labor shortage, um, which I'm not saying there isn't a labor shortage, but is it a, is it where is it generated from? Um, right, exactly. Then, 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 yes, absolutely, right. So you could you could definitely bring that in, but be careful what you ask for, right? Because you could be the janitor for the AI system, as we discussed. But again, let's talk about that later on um, under the, our cautionary discussion towards the end here. All right, so let's dive into some sort of so just 
this is just going to be a, a litany of things to think about. We're not going to dwell on too long. Dan and I will probably bring up some concepts on this, but this is going to be um, the first in a series of some didactic stuff on this episode. So Dan, do you want to kick us off? So ways AI can help leaders and organizations. Well, the first one that you and AI listed for us here, Jeff. Joda, <laughs> is decision-making. Now, um, it, yeah, I, I could see where um, part, of, part of this podcast is about sense-making, and sense-making is the process leaders use to make sense of the world in order to make decisions. I could totally see AI being a tool that you use to gather information, gather data uh, to make decisions. What AI is not good at as far as decision-making is judgment and rational thinking. Uh, It's very prone to hallucinations. If it can't make sense of the information it's gathering, it produces what are these so-called hallucinations, which are very convincing, um, depict, you know, I don't know how even to describe it. They will describe, they will say the the output will be something completely made up by the AI system based on its data, but it's not accurate. So I think, yes, it's a good tool. It could be a potentially great tool for helping us with decision-making. And I'm thinking, again, uh, Star Trek. The, if you want, remember the old Star Trek series where Captain Kirk and Spock, Spock would say, computer, give us information about this. And the computer would spit out information. But it was up to Kirk and Spock to make a decision about how to respond based on the information the computer was providing. So, yes, decision-making Definitely it can help with that. It can help you with uh, gathering data to inform your decision, but it's still incumbent at this point upon you as a leader to not take it uh, at face value, use your background knowledge to make sure that, is this making sense? Does this jive? You know, you have a bullshit detector, right? So is the AI bullshitting me and do I need to double check its uh, information? So, but at the same time, very quick at providing information to help you make decisions. What are your thoughts on decision-making, Joda? No, I think you nailed it. Um, it shit in, shit out as of now. Um, I will take it. To, I will move us out 10 years from now. It, right now, it's not good at certain things that you could say are the bullshit detectors. Um, let's not assume that's going to be true forever, though. Um, it might be sufficient enough to be, or a sufficient bullshitter checker itself at some point in time, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. So you want to plan for that as well. Um you're going to, as a leader, have to, you're, you're still going to need to, I understand what the intentionality of your, of your company is, um, understand the needs of your workers to keep them happy, understand the goals of, um, creating a relationship with you and your customer, whoever that might be. And up right now, AI probably won't be able to do that, but it will, it will be able to help you. Yeah. And ethics. Yeah. It's not when you and it gets down to okay, you've got to lay off this group of people who you, and you know the negative impacts on their lives and other things. It's not going to have a conscience either, right? Yep. It's going to be ruthless in its uh um recommendations for how to proceed and That's right. influence your decision making. So it's up to you to bring that human conscience and that sense of ethics to your decision making as well. Again, for now, uh, they are making empathy for robots for empathy robots. So who knows where that goes? Okay. So the next one empathy is robots. Yes. Predictive analytics is another thing, right? So AI, and again, this is sort of automation in general, um, helps with predictions. Um, in my field, we, in the security space, we use predictive tools, uh, solutions, you can call them AI, but they're algorithms that munge data and is, are able to project, um, um, effects of, uh, 
uh, choices made um, on your IT systems, on your uh, network systems. Um, this is a form of AI. It's not, again, not one of self-sentience. It doesn't know itself exists. It's not that kind of AI, but it makes intelligent decisions. And so it provides a signal, as I like to say, to the people who are overseeing the network um, uh, about the state of their system. And then it helps them decide what they should do about it. They should fix it, not fix it, mitigate it, things like that. So yes, you can definitely, AI will def definitely has and will, and you should expect to leverage even more. And, and when it comes to AI, that sort of intelligence, the chat GPT, it's going to start predicting behaviors of people that you interact with. And so, well, that, that's already that. been happening too, right? right. I know there's the old uh, target story. Um, I think Malcolm Gladwell talks about in one of his books where they were using predictive analytics and algorithms to analyze purchases uh, that people were making and checkout. And they predicted, you know, they'd use it to, uh, target um advertising to people in um their mailers and there was this young girl she had bought some stuff started getting mailers at her home recommending uh buying stuff for a future baby like clothes and diapers and uh, formula things like that and her father started looking at these and saying why is target encouraging my daughter to buy all this baby stuff and he went and apparently yelled at the manager um, and but then found out a couple of weeks later that his daughter was indeed pregnant, and the, the company apparently, and maybe this is an apocryphal story. You know, again, I'm just relaying what Malcolm Gladwell apparently wrote in one of his books. But the 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 algorithm was able to predict based on her previous pur purchasing habits where she, these conditions that were happening to her. I would say also working in higher ed, we've been working with predictive analytics too a lot. There's a lot of different companies trying to um, help higher ed educators predict when students are going to be in trouble and challenged based on multiple variables. Um, different schools are having different levels of success with that. I haven't seen a whole lot yet uh, with that. I do think with predictive analytics, you have to be cautious too, because you're dealing with complex systems. And while AI at this point can help to some degree with complex systems and analyzing it, it's not, it, it still can't predict weather patterns accurately yet either. So there are, there is a level of complexity where it does run into um, a wall, just like the rest of us. So yeah. that might yeah. change too. Uh, yeah. And it probably will. And I, I think there's a philosophical, ethical aspect to that. How much do we want to reduce people to data? Um, and being, you know, brings in the whole question of free will and determinism and whether we really ha are making choices in our lives or are we just subject to the forces and the momentum of um, our moment of birth? And um, <laughs> oh, marketing, marketing cool. needs. Yes. I think it's been decided. I think Facebook decided that for us already. Um, all right. What's the next one, Dan? Talent management. Um, yeah. Well, that's been happening for a long time too, right? So when you submit a resume, they scan it uh, to look for, do you meet the qualifications? So that's been going on for a while. Um, and I've also heard that it, uh, um, in terms of talent management, that AI can also help with uh, uh, personnel reviews. 
Uh, it can give you some text and some information to use to help guide you when you're doing a performance review for somebody. So it's also it's about the recruitment and the the management. Again, you know, it's going to provide you with the data. Um, you still have to make the judgment, and you also have to use that bullshit detector to make sure that the data it's or the recommendations or advice it's giving you is it makes sense. I think um, when Zoe we had Zoe Fragu on a, in our first podcast with us, she talked about psychometrics, which is another tool that can be used by recruiters to identify whether or not your personality is going to be a good fit for the role you're taking on. And again, she cautioned not to just use, it is a tool. The psychometric test is a tool, but ultimately it's the human being, the leader and manager of a department that has to take that data and um, make sense of it. And there, there might be exceptions uh, to what the algorithm or the uh, the AI bot or agent or co-pilot is recommending to you. And you still need to uh, use your own discretion and judgment to make sense of it. Yeah. Um, I recently saw a thread on um, LinkedIn, someone talking about how they... I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but just dis- discussing about how they felt or they knew that they their their resume or CV was sent through some sort of algorithm and it didn't get past the algorithm, and there were a lot of people responding to that. Um, you don't want to yeah. be a you don't want to be a company who's perceived as just being driven probably by these AI systems. Um, it could be one probably bad press on one hand, and to what Dan's point, you know, there's a there. Pr- the systems are only so good. They look at, sure, they look at certain metrics and are able to probably predict certain things. But again, in the end, the strength of people is that they're human. And if you want a human in there, you don't want a robot probably judging that human. You still need another human to kind of go in there and and, and manage that. So again, um, the suggestion here um, from my perspective is leverage information signals. Um, I know we use them as gates. You know, we use them as a gate. So you get 100 submissions of talent and you let it give you the top five. And that's what you go with. I get it because there's a lot of people and, and you're saving money by not hiring, having to hire people, other people to go through that information. And that makes sense. Well, it, it, but be careful gets, with that as well. To, yeah, it gets back to bias too, right? So yes. you we use the term, you want to screen people in rather than screen people out. And it's very easy to screen people out if you're yeah. looking at very rigid terms, very rigid background experience and education because there are transferable skills and maybe not everyone needs a certain degree to be able to cert- do a certain job. Maybe they've got it through the, uh, the knowledge, through an experience, through other means. Uh, so at this point, you know, I think these are tools, but we have to be very cautious about be are cautious. they screening people out? That's right. Are they being, are they screening people out for unnecessary reasons? And, you know, I think we are going to be going into a world where increasingly we're going to have to be thinking about transferable skills um, and not being so rigid about where people are coming from. Yeah. And if I think, and I don't have proof on this, you know, I haven't done a deep dive study, but knowing kind of the state of the way these algorithms kind of work now and, and chat GPT, again, it's kind of changing that because the way it leverages language um, and kind of figures out how to create ideas out of words. Um, but 
right now, you could end up with a very linear thinking process if you leverage in your company, very narrow, limited thinking, group think kind of world if you just simply leverage these machines to kind of decide. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is you, a huge danger, huge yeah. danger. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's see. Because we know, we, again, going back to previous episodes, we know we know that strong teams are built off of diversity. Diversity, Um yeah. And there and is evidence for that. And, yeah, and it's not just ethnic and racial racial diversity, yeah. although that does bring a lot to the table as well, but also perspective, yeah. uh, background, uh, experience, all those di- – and, and temperament even. All those different types of diversity – add to a richer um, understanding because, you know, what ChatGPT does in a sense is draws a lot of collective cognition together, right, to to bring information together, to feed it to you in one nice little synthesized chunk of uh, paragraph. But your team, the team you're working with is doing the same thing. They're your collective cognition, and you want a, different, a lot of different viewpoints and perspectives um, to, to inform your understanding of reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, you as a leader, you know, you're going to take that information. You're going to have to make a decision. So, well, I guess it depends on how you're actually hiring people. So, all right. So, next one. Um, risk management. Um, this is one that's kind of near and near to my heart because of the field that I'm particularly, I'm working in right now, which is the infosec space. Um, so yes, AI, again, I'm going to kind of say automation, I guess, but, um, uh, machine learning, um, definitely can help in identifying risk issues in your company. Um, they can help you mitigate, uh, by, um, what is it here by analyzing data from multiple sources and identifying potential areas of concern. Absolutely. And examples of this, you know, that you, that most of you probably know fraud detection, right? Um, good example is I went to Europe recently and I started leveraging my credit card in Italy. Um, didn't work. And I checked my email and said, Hey, is, are you in Italy? So that again, is that artificial intelligence? No. Is it an intelligent decision-making system? Yes. It recognized that I wasn't in America and it says, Hey, is this fraud? And this would be almost untenable to do manually, but you can do it with these automated systems and artificial intelligence systems. Another one would be credit risk assessment, supply chain risks, um, natural disaster, natural disaster risk management and cybersecurity risks. Um, Risk is important for businesses. Um, if you can reduce your risks to certain issues or certain problems, um, that is technically reducing the risk to profit loss. And so when you're doing to profit loss and versus profit gains, you add those up together and that can really affect the bottom line. So this it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing and it really does help it automate that stuff. And it's kind of a space that humans can definitely leverage um, the machine world to see and utilize its deep insights. But again, they're just signals and you have to keep that in mind. What are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, but I could, I could see, you know, um, I'm thinking in terms of crisis management and in higher ed, we also have this thing called enrollment management. We're constantly looking at different factors that are uh, informing the enrollment at a college or university and I could see you setting up like an auto GPT type of assistant or bot um, agent, whatever you want to call it, 
that's programmed to do the environmental scan, looking at the demographics of oh, yeah. the catchment area yeah, um, and sure. seeing where the trends are. And that can definitely give you signals, you know, and looking at what's currently happening in your enrollment, um, where are the students coming from, what are the, where are the high schools that are feeding into your, your organization, um, what sectors of the economy are, are workforce are they are coming to your campus, um, and also identifying emergent needs in the workforce around your area catchment area to to identify opportunities for new programs. So I could see some of that as a data collecting tool being automated and set up as a, a what they're calling now an auto GPT kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um- all right, let's do what. Let's do one more. There's a couple others, but Dan, you want to pick one more to discuss on the uh, opportunity area? Well, we got talent. We got personalization, process optimization, resource allocation, and competitive intelligence. Um, or all I four. want to talk a little bit about personalization. Okay, because one thing I've been thinking about, and it gets back to changing workforce dynamics. Um, so, and I want to say, you know, we're going basically through a brainstorming session right now on this podcast. So <laughs> nobody watches this later, come back and use this clip to kind of hit me during a job interview. <laughs> like, I heard you say this on a podcast. My We're shooting from the hip right now. Yes, we are. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm just, I think this is a form, but I'm not trying to automate anybody out of a job, right? But one thing we are noticing is a steep decline in uh, in higher education and turnover in student services, and that is a lot of enrollment people uh, who are whose job is to help students enroll uh, and and counsel them and advise them on what classes they're supposed to take and things like that. And in talking to a colleague the other day, she was saying that enrollment in the programs that often feed those jobs is at an all time low. Uh, she was, she's, uh, a graduate of university of Washington. And she was saying in the past, there had been a, like a 40, 50 person wait list to get into the program. And now they can't even fill all the seats to keep the programs going. So here's an opportunity. Cause I see, I could see you setting up a chat bot that could help somebody with enrollment if you were to design it correctly and help them as a kind of a customized, personalized agent to help somebody through the enrollment process, through the advising process. Now, it wouldn't completely get rid of all those human advisor jobs, but it would change the dynamic, right? And would provide some automation that's customized and designed in a way that could help take down some barriers for students as well. Save the college money, uh, that could then be diverted to other resources as well, especially if you're having, I mean, turnover there. And this is not just at my school. This is their articles nationally, the Chronicle of Higher Education. Turnover in that sector is at an all-time high because of low pay, because of uh, the, the the intense workload um, and other opportunities that, you know, that skill set can get better pay at another sector of the economy. Um, and so people don't tend to stay long because they're apparently lots of, again, transferable skills. So that's an example of how you could use AI to automate something and not necessarily hurt people, but also fill a gap, a need uh, within the organization. And, and you're still not doing harm because those other people who are not staying in that those positions 
are finding work elsewhere in other parts of the economy. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were speaking, it made me think about, you know, you're, you're talking about empathy, you know, introducing sort of an empathy into the system, into the mechanics, right. Uh, that transcends that that's not about the, the being centered from the human perspective, but from the machinery perspective and that will happen. And I, and I, and I was thinking about that. Sorry, as you were talking, I was, I was doing both. I swear I was listening and thinking about it and the, I can do both. I, I think I can, although I can barely chew gum and yeah, anyways, or I can barely chew gum period. Right. Um, the chat GPT going to that version of the, the chatbots that we use um, humans, humans are, we, we, we think of them as being able to be, we, we recognize facial expressions. We're geared to looking at facial expressions. It's inner machinery. Um, we are good at responding to those facial, those facial um, um, uh, signals, but, we're also very prone to biases and misinterpretations. Um, signal noise messes us up real easy, and there's not a lot. And there's it doesn't take much to create a noise in the signal. It could be a gesture of a finger to make you misinterpret that word that someone said. And computers can probably actually get through that quick easier systems, you know, automated. And so you could see, you know, uh, people working with people, but being assisted by, by an AI system saying that person sounds like they're sad based upon that, com that comment and they are leveraging, you know, algorithms. And so I can see some sort of like integrated personalization approach, right? Where, you know, I have a way I deal with people all the time. Actually, let me say one thing. A friend of mine said years ago, you know, the, the famous biblical phrase, treat people as you wish to be treated. And a friend of mine said- The golden he rule. He didn't agree with that. He said, treat people as they, they want to be treated. And I think that actually lends, I felt that was a stronger statement. And I think that's what AI systems can help us do is treat people the way they want to be treated ba based upon signals that the machinery is getting. Certain people are great at that, right? S certain salespeople, that's what they're, why they're good is they can interpret those signals, know when to mm -hmm. lean in, know when to lean back. But a lot of people aren't, most people aren't that great at it. And I think, yeah, AI inevitably could probably help in that personalization area. Well, I think there's danger in that too. Of course. Right? Like becoming too dependent on AI to do that. Like, but that's may the cautionary chill for previous all, all these things. I, so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. But that's the I mean, theme. I, on my Facebook feed, I still get these advertisements about this robot, uh, this AI robot that's supposed to help, you know, nervous children or social children who are struggling with social skills uh, to, to help them be more sociable. And I think that, you know, that's not how you want to do it because especially right now, AI is not at a point where it can mimic the no, empathy. Right now, I we would both agree that you need human intervention in all AI machinery, right? Um, in the future, though, that might change. You know? And I think as leaders, you need to recognize that, you know, depending on the side. And on that note, let's move on to the next thing because that is a thing as a leader. Okay. So we've, we've talked about uh, some, some areas of opportunity and I probably some of these things you're all familiar with. Um, maybe hopefully we kind of gave you some thoughts that you haven't thought about. But how do you integrate what as a leader and organization um, <laughs> in this topsy turvy world of AI now that we've been thrown into and to Dan's point is it how much of this is media hype and how much of this is actually a paradigm shift as we move forward. Um, let's assume this language assumes it's a paradigm shift or this next this next thing sort of assumes it's a paradigm shift to some degree, but it also assumes that it could be hype as well. And so how do you handle this information? Um, so how do leaders- well, I want to hold on, but I want to hold on there. I, I do think it is a paradigm shift. I think um, 
the term I recently heard used was Kairos, a Kairos event as opposed to a Kronos event. So to use Greek terminology, Kronos is time and time's constantly changing. And Kairos is a moment in time of extreme change in the human condition or the human, what's happening in human history. Um, And I think this is one of those moments, I think. And it's, you know, history is one of those things where you're living it and it's very rare that you're seeing like, oh, this is a moment. Like when the printing press happened, I don't think anyone was thinking, oh, this is revolutionary. It wasn't until you stand back, you know, by a couple hundred years ago, oh, that was really important, the invention of the printing press, uh, because it caused all these ripples. But I do think from that scale model of thinking, when you step back and you look at from the launch of the internet to now, and probably 20 years beyond now, this whole period, 200 years from now, is going to be an incredible event uh, of human, uh, a transformational uh, period of human civilization. Um, it's just that we're in the middle of it. We're swimming in it, so we're not seeing it in its full perspective in some ways. But it is grand enough that we do know it's, we can sense it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would tend to agree that this is probably um, pivotal, if not because of the specific execution of ChatGPT, although yes, because of what it represents and it's opened our eyes to it. And so now it's created a snowball effect where even if ChatGPT isn't exactly what it is people think it is, it will be soon enough or something will be soon enough probably because just of the signal it's provided. So I agree, Um, but could be wrong. You know, so we will find out. Um, but let's let's talk about just from a from a leadership and a business perspective, an organization perspective, some methods we're thinking about how to think about integrating AI and these things into your system. Um, and for the sake of time, Dan, I think I'm going to just kind of rattle off the first three and pause and discussion around those um, real quick, okay. and then we can finish it up if you want to take the last four, six, whatever. So, first one is identify your business challenges. Um, leaders should first identify the 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 needs that you have um, that can be that AI can help and address. Um, these require a deep understanding of the organization's goals and objectives. So that's the first one. So focus on what is first. Start with your business. What are your challenges? The second one is evaluate the AI solutions. Right. Once business challenges have been identified, leaders should evaluate the AI solutions that can address those challenges. There's a lot of solutions out there, um, and again, there's a lot of distinction. What is what you know? What exactly is AI? What are we talking about? Are we talking about deep learning? We're talking about some sort of heuristic mechanism that is able to do predictive analysis? Are we actually talking about an artificial intelligent mechanism? What you know? Again, uh, evaluate those things against your particular business needs. And then finally, of course, once you've got those two pieces, that plus that, now you got to develop your business plan, right? Leaders should develop a plan for how AI will be actually integrated into your organization. I think, Dan, I'll, again, I'll pause there, but I think the, the key thing there is <laughs> focus on your business needs, not necessarily on the flashy AI. What do you need right now from your business? Yeah, your- and I, I think I've already provided you with a, a great example within student services, and I think... Uh, and higher education. And I think other schools, and I may even be on the back end of that wave and that suggestion, because I know schools are using chatbots to talk with students. And um, and I guess oh, I'm thinking- uh, Plenty of industries are. We um, uh, Every yeah. industry seems to be at this point in time, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's 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 ubiquitous. You have these chatbots that customers engage with, and I'm thinking in terms of really scaling that up to meet other gaps. I know it's you know so, um, and to your point, evaluating how you want it to to manifest within your organization, thinking about biases, thinking about what kind of um, interaction you want these bots to have with your, in my case, students um, who are who are diverse and coming from all kinds of socioeconomic and cultural backgrounds. How can, and the great thing about it, I imagine we could customize things that could speak in people's language, native languages, uh, and become, and think about things like inclusivity and belonging and making, um, proper cultural references that, uh, you know, help the student feel like they belong. So I think there's a great opportunity there. And I th- again, I think there's a, you know, on evaluating it, thinking about the larger impacts too, like what about the employees that were in these positions that used to be able to do this work? Well, right. if you're not displacing them because they're not there anymore, then there's, you're reducing harm um, as well. You're meeting your needs while not inflicting harm to any individuals. So I think it's a great opportunity there. Yeah. And I think that leads into the next one, which is train staff, right? So train staff, you know, the step four, um, if you're the displacement question, you know, companies, organizations always have hard, hard, those hard questions. Who do we keep? Who do we not keep for what reasons? Right. Um, I just listened to a podcast. I think one you just shared down where one company let go a third of its workforce because it was able to replace it with AI. Yep. Um, and it's and, happening folks. It's happening. Yeah, don't, don't be naive. As, yeah. You want to see why the tech sector is imploding? It's AI. Yeah. So, so there's changes. So my point being is as a company, um, who's focusing on creating new products, perhaps um, focusing on being stronger as an organization, producing more value and growing. Um, think about training your staff. You know, perhaps it's not necessary. They're not necessary for that particular role anymore in the exact same way, but so that you, again, cause no harm. Um, think about moving them and, 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 and exciting that, getting them excited about thinking new avenues and paths inside your company. Help them become better in the areas that um, might be interesting to them. And if at the very, at the very least because you're a steward a good steward a citizen to to help them become better so that if they are no longer necessarily needed at the company they have some new skills that they can transfer to other organizations right um you're not you're not just leaving an organization you're leading people's lives and think about that too as you move forward so trains train staff i think is a big one part of what kind of what you just said dan in regard to uh doing no harm oh yeah i think i'm always a bit you know I, i work in professional development a lot so um I'm always a big advocate for training staff, and I believe that begins with just having conversations with staff about chat GPT and AI and how it might possibly impact uh, your particular work and thinking in terms of value. What's your value proposition as a human being doing this work as opposed to AI? And I think that's there because I think there are people – I went to um, a panel this past week at my college talking about AI and chat GPT in particular. And there were suggestions made that I thought, to be frank, were unthoughtful. Um, <laughs> Not uncommon. Making right. recommendations about how to use AI as opposed to a human being. And there are times where that's going to be the case. I think the examples that were used by some of the people in that panel were actually inaccurate. Um, and so... 
and the and the the danger is that there are going to be people who are going to come at this with not all the information and think, oh, well, AI can do this, but not have. I'm going to give an example, like teaching ESL students. Like AI, for now, is not equipped to train AI, help ESL students. Um, most ESL students also suffer, you know, not suffer also are impacted by what we call the digital divide. They are not necessarily always bringing a lot of tech savviness to their educational experience. And so there's dangers in recommending a chat GPT bot for that student population. And and beyond that, they do need that human interaction to be because uh, it is uh, communications culturally based. It's not just language based, and it's also physically based. And they need to be, uh, p- pick up on interpersonal cues and learn how to, you know, um, pick up on gestures and uh, cultural references that a chatbot is not necessarily going to be equipped to to do. And yeah, so. There's dangers with that too. So definitely sure. training and having conversations are really important. Yeah. And I think when they say training, it's like training in the space of, you know, the new technologies, right? And trying to, you know, keep them up yeah, to no, and, modernity. And yeah. Training, training the bots, right? Because there's going to be part of training the bots. There's also going to be training sure. staff about how to use them and also um, training for how to how to be a bridge between the information the chatbot is providing That's right. and translating it to other people. Um, right. yeah. And living in this new world, just in general, right? This new world with this, this these new entities that we're going to be working with. Yeah. So let's move well, on. You know, to one two, of the areas I, okay. let's, actually, for sake of time, let's move on to the next two uh, real quick, which is which I think they're similar. Start small and monitor and evaluate. And this is this is something that's near and dear to you and me because we talk about this a lot of time through like agile processes, right? You want small experiments and then monitor and evaluate those experiments. AI can be very disruptive, you you know, and you can introduce some some incredible havoc potentially um, that, um, well, you know, we've, we've all seen Terminator, we could end up that way, but, <laughs> but more realistically, you know, you could introduce a lot of noise into your system that you won't be able to understand how to, to uh, accommodate for, because oftentimes we don't, even though we've built the AI systems, we're not exactly. We don't qual. We don't always understand how they uh, their data emerges. So start small and uh, and make sure you understand what outcomes you're looking for from the information that or the the, the outputs that you're getting. You want from the AI um, system that you're integrating. So, Dan, thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm always in favor of starting small and taking an agile uh, approach. And continually assessing and making incremental improvements and s- slowly scaling up. Yeah, I definitely agree with that for sure. And um, I, de- you know, as I'm thinking about it, it's definitely something that uh, would inform my approach as as a leader to and scaling something like that up because you yeah. need to test it and then refine it. Yeah. Which is what's happening with the whole chat GPT process too, with between three and four. And right. they're doing that. They're collecting data and retuning uh, the systems as well. So um, that has to be part of your approach. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next one, uh, which I think is a biggie, it's one that we, I think Dan and I will probably continue to have conversations around, especially, which is ensure ethical use of AI. And I know you have thoughts on that. What do you think? Oh, we, yeah. We, we've I been talking about it all. Yeah. 
what do you, what, what's your takeaway on that? Well, one? I think, I think the uh, ethics, you know, we can look at ethics in, in multiple different ways, right? Um, you have an ethic of care, you've got an ethic of justice, you've got, eth- you know, all the, these different kind of ethical frameworks, but I'm not going to get into those. I'm just going to say that we've already talked about harm, which would, I guess, be an ethic of care approach. Are you doing any harm to people by implementing AI through displacing them from their jobs and 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 causing causing harm that way? There's also being very conscious of where the information that AI is drawing from comes from. I'm calling it, you know, there's the supply chain talk. We talk about supply chains a lot. And I know in our um, conversations about blockchain, one of the benefits of blockchain is being able to subsea the supply chain so you can make ethical decisions about where your information, your product is coming from. If there's a a place in the blockchain or a place in the supply chain that you don't agree with, right? That you think the, the labor policies there are unethical, then you cannot buy that product and say, okay, I'm not going to do that. The same is true with information. I think you're going to have this information supply chain uh, occurring with, with AI and you're, and you're already starting to see backlash to some of that. Like some of the, some companies that uh, the AI used to, build its database like reddit are now saying hey you need to pay us for this content that you drew from so there's the financial exchange like have companies been compensated for the data that they have provided and then there's you know the tuning and the tagging of information and as we expressed in the previous podcast and i'll reiterate again we have to be conscious in that information supply chain that at least for what, some of the current chatbots, there were companies in Africa where, where employees were paid $2 an hour to tag information that was from the dark web, dark, from the darker parts of the internet, so that you're not having to see it as a front, as a primary user, right? But know that low-wage labor, you know, is sanitizing your AI experience and it caused a lot of trauma for those workers as well to the point where I think if I believe based on the article I read that the company suspended the their contract with OpenAI because of some of the trauma their workers were experiencing so these are there's a lot of ethical dimensions that we need to explore with this and I think we're just scratching the surface yeah I agree um well all right well with that um I think we've kind of wrapped it up here on this one. We've kind of gone through some uh, some uh, some steps that you as an organizational leader and organizations can think about AI. Um, obviously, this is not completely comprehensive. And I want to th- thank ChatGPT for giving us the beginnings <laughs> of this list. Uh, it actually, uh, you know, <laughs> got us started. So um, obviously, Dan and I are going to be talking a lot more about this as we move forward. This is huge right now. Um, I think we both. Dan We've and I- created a whole channel on this on, on our. If you go to our or playlist, rather, we created a whole playlist on our channel for this. So um, we started this conversation way back in January, um, and so with Jack Wang Wong, uh, and you can go back and check out that initial podcast uh, where we began our conversation last week's, this week's, and in the future we'll be adding to that playlist. Okay, folks. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, joining us at the Make sure to like and subscribe if you got any value out of this episode. Yep. And yep. Um, 
We'll see you next Tell time. Tell your friends, family, because the YouTube algorithm does not really help us that much. <laughs> so yeah. we need to start relying on word of mouth. It's not very intelligent. I don't like it's artificial intelligence. No, not, no. Yeah. Or maybe it is. Maybe, maybe there's something we should learn. Yeah. But hey, people, see you next time. So cheers. Next and, time. Peace yeah, out. Later.